Welcome back to the second episode of the IELTS Archives podcast. My name is Justin Weiss. And I am Kenny Shear. We have a lot to discuss today as Wednesday's Seattle expansion draft and Friday's amateur draft rapidly approach. General Manager Lou Lamorello was especially busy over the weekend, trading away Andrew Ladadick Letty, releasing the team's protected list for the expansion draft, and setting the stage for the rest of the offseason. But before we discuss any of that, we should probably do something we didn't do last episode, and that is introduce ourselves. So I guess I'll start. Uh, as I said before, my name is Justin. I am a rising senior at the University at Buffalo. And despite my friends' best efforts at converting me to become a Buffalo Sabres fan, I am sticking with the blue and orange. I'm an Islander fan because I grew up pretty much down the block from the Coliseum in Nassau County. Some of my favorite memories are standing on the top row of the Coliseum, having my head pretty much touch the roof of the building. So many great memories made over there. So many great memories to be made in the future. Uh, and Kenny, I think you have a pretty similar story as well, right? Yes, I do. I grew up uh, down the block from Justin. So also basically down the block from the Coliseum. I'm a rising senior as well, going to the University of Maryland. I have had lifetime of memories at the Coliseum, of course. Game three against the Capitals, that clinching game was a pretty big one in my mind and a bunch of others as well. And, uh, you know, growing up an Islander fan on the island is pretty much a rite of passage. And, you know, we both did it pretty much within walking distance of each other, which is really cool, which I think is one of the reasons why we chose to launch this podcast. I think we're both really excited about this project. It's not something that either of us maybe thought we were going to do uh, at least a couple of weeks ago. But hey, I mean, here we are doing it. So let's let's do that hockey. Um, but, you know, now that we've established who we are, let's establish why we're here. Uh, and that is because the biggest offseason in modern Islanders history, at least I would say, is well underway. Uh, and things are only bound to get more intriguing from here. There's a lot to dissect from this whole weekend, as I said before. But let's start with the news of the Nick Letty trade, which broke Friday evening. So the Islanders traded Letty, an 11-year NHL veteran who spent seven seasons on Long Island, to the Detroit Red Wings for the 52nd pick in this year's draft and right winger Richard Panic. So Kenny, you know, starting off, uh, do you have any initial impressions of the trade? What do you think went down here? Why do you think the Islanders pulled it off? How do you feel going forward now that Letty's gone and now that we have panic in a second rounder? I really like the deal. I think it's great. You know, you get a, a pretty nice draft pick at 52 for this year. You kind of help recuperate and get the farm system rebuilt a little bit, as well as bringing Richard Panic, who's still a solid hockey player and can really fill in on, on the wing. And another really big thing that I was thinking about is Nick Letty. You know, he was kind of the guy that came in seven years ago, how many, however many years ago it was. And he was the guy that all of a sudden, oh, wow, the Isles, you know, they're becoming legitimate. And now he's leaving the Islanders. And it's like, wow, the Isles are legit. We're no longer just becoming legitimate and we're ready to contend and win a cup. Yeah, I think it can't be, you know, overstated just how much the culture changed the day that the Islanders brought in Nick Letty from Chicago and Johnny Boychuk from Boston. That was October 4th, 2014. That Nick Letty trade was pretty much an instant home run. The Islanders traded away Valet Polka, TJ Brennan, and Anders Nielsen, none of whom ended up making a big impact for Chicago. And they got, you know, a cornerstone on defense. Those first few years that Letty was on Long Island, there were talks about him maybe one day becoming a Norris candidate. And, you know, he never exactly got to that point where he was a top defenseman, but he was always pretty good, you know, a great skater, 
a great puck carrier, a guy that would log a lot of minutes, as we said in the last podcast, especially when Adam Pellick and Ryan Pollock needed a day off. This was a guy who really stepped in in every situation, uh, was the ultimate teammate, the ultimate leader, and there was really a lot to like about him. So I guess from almost a personal perspective, it's it's a shame to lose him because this has been a guy who has really keyed the Islanders' rebuild, has keyed the Islanders' turnaround. That being said, I mean, it's obvious why Lou Lamorello made the deal that he did. The Islanders owed Letty $5.5 million next season, which is still a lot of money, especially as the Isles have three big restricted free agents that they need to bring back, as well as a number of unrestricted free agents that could potentially come back to the island. It it seems pretty obvious why Lamorella brought him back. And it's just a shame that the business side of the NHL requires that you part with guys who really are culture builders and who really turn the page for the organization. Yeah, no, I definitely agree. And people forget, I mean, Letty was, like you said, he could have been a Norris candidate some years. You know, that totally could have happened. He totally could have gone on to win a Norris trophy. He developed into being, you know, a true number one defenseman. He had a huge effect on the team. He was only 23 at the time. Now leaving Letty at the age of 30, still has a lot left in the tank. And he can really provide a lot of veteran presence and leadership for Detroit, who really could use that. Right. And Detroit, certainly a team. They have Thomas Grice, Nick Letty, Valtteri Filpula. And Franz Nielsen. So that is an Islanders lineup through and through. There's no shortage of former Islanders on that team. Letty, I'm sure, will fit right in, probably play a first pair role, which will be really nice for them. From the Islanders' perspective, too, uh, you know, not only does this free up much needed cap space, but that draft pick, number 52, and you spoke about this farm system that is quite depleted at this point. And the Islanders have Kiefer Bellows pretty much waiting in the wings. Uh, and they have, you know, a couple of defensemen in Bode Wild. They have Samuel Bolduc. And that's pretty much it. I mean, Sa- Simon Holmstrom was the Islanders' last first-round pick. The Islanders, again, don't have a first-round pick this year. They finally have one next year, although you could obviously see that going in a trade somewhere. So the Islanders have really mortgaged their future for their present, which, you know, is what happens when your team gets really good and you're a cup contender in win-now mode. But that being said, any pick that the Islanders can bring in, especially, you know, a mid-second rounder, that is really important. And hopefully that will help this team right now. But you mentioned panic before, and you mentioned that he can slot in in a number of places in the lineup. What do you think of panic? I remember him on Washington a couple of years ago. The Islanders battled them in a long playoff series. What do you know of Panic? What do you think of Panic as he slots into this team? Yeah, I mean, he's a, he's a decent player. He's been around for a long time. This past year, he played 48 games, had 13 points. And he's also capable of playing a little bit of penalty kill, a little bit of power play if we need. He may not be on your first unit, but he's a guy you can really trust to play in a system that Trotz likes to use. He'll get down, he'll block shot, which is really valuable. And he can really offer a lot. He's also been around in the league for a long time. So he's a big body and I'm excited to see him in the lineup. Yeah. So, you know, as you said, he's six foot two, 203 pounds, which is very much in line with what the Islanders have in that forward group. You know, a lot of big bodied guys, you know, he's never been a big scorer, 194 career points in 517 games, only 13 and 48 last season. But, you know, he's a bottom six winger. The Islanders have a lot of those, but I guess you could never have too many of those. At least that's always been the Lou Lamorello way of going about things. I'm sure we'll see him, you know, slot in at some point in the next season. Shifting gears for a second, the Letty trade was one of two trades over the weekend that Lamorello pulled off. Uh, The second one was where he sent forward Andrew Ladd a 2021 second round pick, a conditional 2022 second round pick, and a conditional 2023 third round pick for nothing. 
uh, lad who is 35 years old is entering the sixth year of a seven year contract and is slated to have a five and a half million dollar cap hit in 2021 to 22. So Kenny, I guess, first of all, you know, we've spoken so much about the need to trade Andrew Ladd. Uh, now that it actually happened, does this trade surprise you? Does it surprise you that Lamorella was able to get rid of him? And does it surprise you that he attached three pretty high picks with him? Yeah, I have to say I'm pretty shocked. Of all the scenarios that were playing out of my head over the past week and a half, this was not the one I had imagined whatsoever. The good news is, the so the third round pick you mentioned, the condition, is actually that he would have to play one game. In the 22-23 season, he would have to play at least one game. So that third round pick, while it could end up getting transferred, it's also very likely, especially if he can't stay healthy, which has been a problem in the past, that it wouldn't get moved. And if we're looking at only two second rounders, in my mind, that's an excellent deal. I mean, we cleared up a lot of dead space. There was literally nothing he was offering this team. It was as if he was a buyout that we kept on under wraps and we had just had to deal with the money. But instead, now we move him over to Arizona. We have some real flexibility. And I don't think it could be overstated just how much of a win this was for both teams. Arizona recouped some draft picks that they had lost in the past. They get an agent veteran who they hope can come in and even if he doesn't play, end up shifting the culture a little bit. Also, he'll help them reach the cap floor, which is something the Islanders used to always have to do. I remember those trades that the Islanders used to pull off, so it's really come full circle here. And also for the Islanders, as you said, this is one of the worst contracts in the NHL. He was borderline immovable. Who who wants a 35-year-old who's entering the sixth year of a seven-year contract about to make five and a half million dollars and probably won't ever play an NHL game again? That is a very difficult contract to move. It's also telling that the Islanders didn't have to give up a first round pick because the entire league knew that Lou Lamorella was trying to move Andrew Ladd. So it wasn't like the Coyotes came into this like, oh, you're giving us a great deal here. It's like, no, the entire league knew that Andrew Ladd was somebody who the Islanders pretty much had to move in order to be competitive this season. So as you said, you know, kudos to Lou Lamorello for pulling this off. The fact that he didn't have to part with another first round pick was pretty impressive. And as we said before, Beauvillier, Sorokin, and Pellick are all RFAs. Very important that the Islanders get that cap relief in order to be able to re-sign them. So I guess I'll turn that question around to you. Just how important was it for the Islanders to get this cap relief and not give up that additional first round pick? Wow, it's so important. I mean, you can't state it enough. Before the Johnny Boychuk contract, which will likely get put onto the long-term IR and then open up $6 million. So before that, you have $12 million in cap space. And then you have With that contract, you have almost $19 million in cap space to really make a move and try to make something of this lineup that no one expected. We really have a chance here to go for the big fish. About Andrew Ladd, I mean, this is a guy who never clicked with the Islanders. He's now in his mid-30s. He's four years removed from playing at even a decently high level in the NHL. Do you think he has any future in Arizona? Do you think this could be a place where, you know, he goes into the desert it's a place maybe for him to turn his career around a little bit at this late stage. In, it almost feels like this becomes like an Eric Bolton situation. He was sitting down in the minors and, and being like a real mentor for some of these younger kids. The only difference is they're paying him $5 million to you know, sit down there and teach kids uh, how to be an NHL player, which has its value. Maybe not at that cost, but that's what happens when you give up two second round picks and you can really you know, make that worthwhile. So now that Lamorello has shipped Letty and Lad off, the two L's, 
What comes next? Do you see them trading any other players on the team? I know Thomas Hickey, who is 32 years old. He has one year left on his $2.5 million deal. You know, people have floated his name around as a potential trade piece. I know Kiefer Bellows, who's a restricted free agent this year. uh, He was actually left, and we'll talk about this in a moment, but he was left uh, unprotected in the upcoming expansion draft. Uh, There's Josh Bailey, there's Jordan Eberle, one of whom may be drafted by Seattle, but could also be a trade bait. Uh, Are any of these guys, do you think, do you think any of these guys are next? In terms of a trade, I can't see it. The Isles have already given up a bit of their assets. And now, unless we wanted to give up a first round pick or start really moving into the later years and taking draft picks out of there, it doesn't seem like guys like Bellows have a lot of value and that teams don't really want to take him on in a trade. So I highly doubt they make another deal unless it's with Seattle after all. You know, that could definitely be something that Lou Lamorello is exploring. Like you mentioned, the expansion list, the protected list just came out early this morning. And both Matt Martin and Cal Clutterbuck are on the protected list, which is not something anyone expected. You know, maybe Clutterbuck could have been someone that I was like underratedly might have wanted to protect. And one of the biggest things this tells me and I and you can tell me what you think, is Casey Sezikas is here to stay. We talked about last time that it sounded like he was on his way out. And with this move, correcting both of those guys, it, it tells us we're keeping this fourth line together. And we're gonna, now that we have the money, we're going to sign him and we're going to stick with it. Yeah, I think it's definitely a message to Sezikas and his agent that like, hey, look, we are committed to bringing back Martin and Clutterbuck. We're also committed to bringing you back. It wouldn't be shocking to me if Sezikis and the Islanders have already had conversations and this is something that factors into their you know, larger plans. Uh, it was definitely something that was eyebrow raising. I don't think many people saw this coming. These two older fourth line wingers being protected. But, you know, as you've said before on this show, I think in the last episode, we spoke about it, especially, you know, that fourth line has been the Islanders' identity line for so long. And, you know, for just as long as Nick Letty has been an integral part of this team, that fourth line has been an integral part of this team. And, you know, you want to blow it up a little bit this offseason. You want to make a couple changes just because the grim reality is you cannot possibly bring back everybody, but you also want to retain as much as possible. And and this is a team that has now gone to the conference finals two straight years. This year, they were two goals away from going to the Stanley Cup against one of the best teams you will ever see, at least one of the best teams that I've ever seen. And so they're really close. So you don't want to really blow it up. And I think Lamorello is sending a message here, which is that Sezikis is a priority in the offseason. And by bringing back Clutterbuck and Martin, at least by not exposing them to Seattle, that is something he is trying to do. But actually, I guess to back up for a second before we talk about that, you know, let's set the stage here for the expansion draft. So I think after the Lad and Letty deals, the most interesting news item is the expansion draft. So on Wednesday night, the NHL's 32nd franchise, the Seattle Kraken, will select one player from every existing team, with the exception of the Vegas Golden Knights. Big question there from a competitive standpoint. I understand they didn't pay the expansion fee, but from a competitive standpoint, it just seems kind of curious that Vegas isn't giving up anybody since they're one of the best teams in the league. But anyway, the Islanders released their protected list Sunday morning, and it included some familiar names like Matt Barzell, Ryan Pollock, and Semyon Varlamov. Uh, but it's the unprotected list, Jordan Eberle, Josh Bailey, and Kiefer Bellows, as you said, among them, that has raised the most eyebrows. So whew, there's a lot to dissect here. I think we've already gone through a little bit what the Clutterbuck and Martin protection means. Is there anything that immediately stands out otherwise that is surprising or eye-opening on this list? 
I think that it's almost like Lamorello is trying to bait Seattle unless there is a deal in place where someone is protected. But I don't really see that likely because the asking price for Seattle to take a player of the team's choosing has been extremely high. They were looking for two first round picks at one point, a first and two seconds. And I just don't think any team is really going to give Seattle what they want in order to make that happen. So yeah, it seems like Lamorello wants to shed another contract. You know, he believes that whoever we can bring in, whether it's making a guy like Wallstrom, giving him a bigger role or bringing in some big free agent like Landis or making a trade for Vladimir Tarasenko, it seems like he's ready to move on from a guy like Everly. I think the Bailey exposure is really surprising. Justin, tell me what you think. I never thought I'd see the day with Josh Bailey off the New York Islanders, and now he's prepared for the taking. Yeah, I mean, what's really interesting to me is, correct me if I'm wrong, but I believe that Josh Bailey is the longest tenured player in New York sports. Not in New York hockey, not for the Islanders, but in New York sports. He was a first-round pick in 2008. That's 13 years ago, and he's still on this team. And so much has been written about him. The disappointing start to his career, the kind of resurgence at the end of John Tavares' stint with the Islanders, and then him really coming into his own and getting that big contract extension. And, you know, it's very interesting to me. Bailey is somebody who kind of does it all. We commonly say, you know, he's a guy who could be slotted into any part of this lineup. He's played on pretty much every line here, except for the fourth line. He had 35 points in 54 games last season. He had 43 and 68 the year before that, 56 and 82 and 71 and 76 the year prior. So he put some, some solid points. Uh, He plays in a variety of situations. He's really trusted in the last minutes of games when he's required to play some defense. You know, he really does it all for this team. So yeah, to see him on that list, it's a little bit surprising. But also at the same token, you know, he still has three years left on his contract. It's $5 million per season. And he's already 31, turning 32 in a couple of months. So he's not getting any younger. He's probably not getting any better. He's definitely somebody who always gets me irate when he'll turn away that wide open shot for that pass. And there are definitely things frustrating about his game. So I understand it. But yeah, I mean, it's definitely interesting to see him unprotected. My question is Jordan Everly. This is a guy who has three years left also at five and a half million dollars per year. Was that surprising to you? Yeah, I really don't think it's so surprising. I mean, especially after the Letty deal. Originally, Letty was the guy we all expected to get taken, assuming no trades went through. And now that Letty's gone, we're able to protect Pelek, Gulak, and Mayfield. So we have our defense core intact, as well as the signing of Andy Green, which allows us to meet all the exposure requirements for the expansion draft on the defensive side. And I think it really made sense that Everly would be the guy who misses the cut. And while it would hurt to see him go, it does clear up a lot of cap space. He had a very good season for the Islanders. He had 34 points in 55 games, I believe. That's that's on pace for, you know, a very similar season as Josh Bailey. So about a 50-point season in a a full 82-game year. It's definitely not surprising. And I could definitely see that being the guy that Seattle decides to take come Wednesday. Yeah, you know, I think Everly, outside of Barzal, is probably the biggest name on this Islanders forward group. When people talk about the Islanders, it's Jordan Everly, it's Matt Barzal, it's maybe Anders Lee. But I never felt like Everly was integral to this team. I think he plays kind of a one-dimensional role. He's really been slotted on Barzal's wing for most of his tenure. He doesn't play 
all these different lines like Bailey does. I think he's a good piece to have on that first line. But at $5.5 million per year for three more years, I don't know that he's necessarily the most important piece for this team. I guess we'll see what happens in the draft. We'll see if Seattle decides to take him. I would honestly, and I'm going to go out on a little bit of a limb here, I would be surprised if they take Everly. I think that's a lot of money. And I think there are a lot of other quality wingers, quality forwards who they could pick from other teams in the expansion draft. But I guess we'll have to wait and see what happens. The Islanders protected Lee. Nelson, Pajot, Barzal, Beauvillier, Clutterbuck, Martin, as well as Pelek, Pollock, and Mayfield on defense, and Semyon Barlamov in goal. They didn't have to protect Ilya Sorokin because he is just coming to the league. But the Islanders' available list is pretty wide-ranging. It includes Bailey and Eberly, but it also includes, as we said before, Kiefer Bellows. It includes Casey Sizikis, who, you know, as you said last week, potentially could be somebody that Seattle brings in, even though he's a UFA, you know, as a veteran leader, give him an A right off the bat. Uh, They also left Andy Green unprotected, Corey Schneider in that, who's a UFA. Any of those names particularly surprising? There's one guy I didn't hear you mention, and it's Ken Appleby. Elliot Friedman on on 31 Thoughts the other day went out and said that Lou Lamorello was trying to make a deal with Seattle. And this is before all the other trades with Vlad and Levy went down. So a lot has obviously changed since then. But he was saying how Lou Lamorello was trying to bait Seattle into taking Appleby. And that would be both Everly and Bailey to stay and keep the core intact, uh, which was probably the most surprising thing I've heard all week, maybe even more than the Vlad trade. Final prediction time. Do you have a best guess? As for who Seattle may select from the Islanders. I have to say, I think it's going to be Everly. Even though there are other players available and there are other guys that could slot in and be a good player for them, I I think it just makes the most sense for Seattle to take Everly as opposed to a guy like Bellows who isn't really proven, who might not even crack the roster and doesn't really have much value. Interesting, because I was actually going to say Bellows. So I guess we'll see what happens. Some friendly disagreement. Final segment to wrap it up. We'll go best case, worst case for the offseason. We'll start off with the best case scenario for the Islanders going forward. What do you see as the best case scenario for this team? I think that the best case scenario is first that they find a middle pairing defenseman, whether it's a guy like Jamie Alexiak or someone older like Chara. That would make me a little nervous having both Andy Green and Chara in the same lineup. Although they could definitely do some really interesting things there. Say you play Chara and Green for only 60 games each. And then you have a guy like Gold Duke come in and play kind of like a Dobson role, like what he did in his first rookie year, which could be interesting. And I can see that being a possibility. And also, I think best case scenario, obviously, bringing Gabriel Landeskog on a not too expensive deal would be fantastic. Essentially, you can think about all the money that they're clearing up becomes Gabriel Landeskog. So you trade Nick Letty, two second round picks for Gabriel Landeskog. I think that's a deal that most people would take. You know, I'd like to point out that both Ryan Suter and Keith Yandel were both bought out in the last few weeks by their respective teams. And the Islanders are looking to shore up their defense for cheap. There's a very decent chance that they can go after one of those two. And speaking of Suter, he was bought out of the same day by the Wild as Zach Parisi, somebody who has been linked to the Islanders since the very beginning. Parisi, as we know, and has been often spoken about, he is old. There's no question about that. I believe he's 36, although I may be wrong. But that being said, this is still a guy who can find the back of the net. He is a guy who has been linked to the Islanders in the past and who actually the, the Islanders apparently had a trade for in place 
that fell through. I do think the Islanders have a lot of options, uh, uh, both offensively and defensively this offseason. Yeah, you mentioned Prize, and I do believe that he will be an Islander. I, I wouldn't call that a hot take because I think insiders around the league also do believe that that's where he's going to be heading to start next year. But just so Prize, he's 36 years old, and he was actually a healthy scratch 11 times. But despite this, he's had 53 goals in the past two years combined. That's a lot of goals, especially in two seasons, 56 games. I don't know how many games exactly the Wild played, but you can imagine it was probably around somewhere in the mid-60 range in the shortened season. And 22 of those were on the power play. Like you said, he's just a pure goal scorer. It would be really nice for the Islanders, I think. And obviously, yeah, he's coming off a really down season, seven goals in 45 games, just 18 points overall. But like you said, in the two years before that, that's a lot of goals scored. And the Elders do not have anybody on their team who does that, with the exception of Anders Lee, who's a very different type of player. So it could be really interesting for the organization to come to terms with Zach Parisi and Slotabin, the third line, second line, maybe even the first line, if they end up losing Everly. That's the best case scenario. What's your worst case scenario for this offseason? I think the worst case scenario would be we don't fill in these holes that are presenting themselves. So you have potentially a hole in that first line. You dials really could use bringing in a scoring winger. And if that doesn't happen, then you're forced to move guys into the lineup that maybe aren't quite ready yet. So you are you forced to play bellows? And, you know, maybe that's a good thing. Maybe it's not. But it could be really interesting to see what happens, especially if they can't bring in a defenseman to really take over that Letty role. Letty's been a huge part of the team, as we mentioned. And although he's not integral, if we can't replace him, he's definitely going to be missed. There is no question about that. But I think even more pressing that bringing in outsiders is coming to terms with their restricted free agents, bringing back Beauvillier, Pellick, and Sorokin. If they lose one of those three guys, I think that's the absolute worst case scenario this offseason. Obviously, if they are packaged at a trade, especially Beauvillier, as I think we discussed last time, maybe that's a little more forgivable. But at this point, I mean, I think that has to be the biggest priority, bringing back the guys that you brought up through your organization, through your farm system, and then plugging in the rest of the holes at a later point. Yeah, and you mentioned Beauvillier, and I think you're right. The true worst-case scenario might be Anthony Beauvillier offer sheets. If he gets offered a $4.1 million contract, the only thing that another team would have to give up is a second-round pick, which is not a lot for a guy like Anthony Beauvillier. He's an amazing player. He's got a real motor. And while I do believe the Isles will match that, If we do match that, that means we're paying a lot for him. And I think we can really see a similar deal to what Anthony Duclair got, which was a three by three, three the years, $3 million. So that could be something. But if he gets an offer sheet, all of a sudden you're looking at a much higher cap hit for Beauvillier. So thank you very much for listening to episode two of the Isles Archives podcast. As always, I'm Justin Weiss. And I'm Kenny Shear. And thank you for listening.